Hey everybody, this is Alex and I'm coming at you straight from the perch. And before we get started, I just wanted to, um, and this is one Fox Radio, I should say. But also I wanted to thank everybody who has been with the podcast lately. And if you like it, I encourage you to share it with your friends and share it around. Um, and on that note, let's jump right into what we're talking about today, which is a little movie that's um, been out for the past... Um, it's been out since the 14th at the time of this recording, the 14th of February. And that is a movie by Mama Hosea called Bell. Girls of song Guide me through the storm Don't you think your mom would want you to be happy? Suzu! Come be in the picture with us! <laughs> Happy? But how? Welcome to the world of you. You may not be able to start over in the real world, but you can start over in the world of you. With its unique body sharing technology, you was able to draw out a user's hidden strength. I can finally sing again. Unused global music charts, just as I expected. I'm so dead! Nobody in their right mind would ever guess that Bell's user is actually a mousy nobody like you. I guess it's true that everyone's hiding some kind of secret. Susie, something wrong? Why are you still here? Wait! Who is that? A dragon? This is typical internet behavior. Why does he do stuff that'll make people hate him? To preserve the peace in you, this creature must be disposed of. Who are you, really? He's in danger. What? Wait! I have to help him. Oh, girls, you sing and go But I don't know what to do. How are we supposed to find one person out of five billion accounts? Actually, there's something I've been meaning to ask you for quite a long time now. Truth is revealed. What do you want to bet? No one will pay any attention to a single one of your songs. I want to hear Bell sing. Yes, yes, sing. Yes, yes, sing. 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 Now, I want to talk about Belle from a couple different angles, and we'll start with the first things first. And what I want to talk about here is really the kind of astonishing lack of a gap of time. Um, and I've noticed this with a bunch of movies lately. Um, the Jujutsu Kaisen movie is coming out, I believe, next year, um, if, not, if not late this year. Um, and it... It strikes me that the popularity of the um, of the Demon Slayer movie, which was like number one in the world for a brief period of time, was the kind of blessing that anime movie releases finally needed. And what I mean by that is, it these kinds of movies, people, tons of people all over the world have been going to see anime movies 
for decades. And like maxing out the theater, they, the one theater they've been in for decades. And showing that there's real value there. But because anime is a niche market and because it's a niche market that's dependent on something not generated by A, America, and B, the studios themselves, especially in America, it, it's been, how should I put this? It's been an uphill battle to get great movies like, say, something like Miss Hokusai to show it more than just a film festival or the occasional, like, weekend showing in major metropolitan areas. The reason why I'm talking about this is because it, the exception rule, there's always an exception to every rule, and usually that was Studio Ghibli movies. But with the, like, taste of Studio Ghibli being less than it was, or less than it was perceived to be up until now, there's a kind of, there's an opening for other directors, other, other all kinds of things. And one of the directors who's kind of been in the Studio Ghibli conversation for a while is um, Hosoda. And it, he's made a lot of movies that have shown, that have kind of, captures that same kind of imagination and Belle in um is is his latest movie. Now if you don't know who Mamo Hosa is, he did I'm gonna start with his last famous stuff and like ramp up and you'll see why in a minute. He did things like um Wolf Children, Boy and the Beast, Girl Who Left Through Time, and if you seen these movies and you've seen the last two I'm about to mention, you'll be like, oh. And then he did, but the first kind of movies he, and probably the movies he might be best known for are a movie called Summer Wars and a movie called, and, and Digimon the first movie. I believe he was the director for that, like the first Digimon movie. And if you've seen both of those, you recognize the parallels in both. So like, Visualization of a game world in Oz is literally the visualization of the internet in Digimon. And the reason why I bring this up now is because he he has done a ton of movies in the same way that Shinkai has done a ton of movies. But the difference with Shinkai, um, because Shinkai's movies have always been these critical darlings that had the block of you know, these hopeless pits of despair <laughs> that will not, that are unrelenting. They're like, they're giving you just the edge of the love story that you want at the end, and then that end never comes for you on screen. And even worse than that, there's no real, there's no real packing your brain for the resolution that like your hopeful heart wants. And it just, it became this, like, hilarious joke among me and my friends in college of Makoto Shinkai's, like, the rhythm to his name was Makoto was forming the hand, and then Shinkai was the ripping out of your heart. <laughs> um, and that held true really until your name. This, 
big difference between your name and every other McCoach in time movie, including Weathering With You, is your name has a hopeful, beautiful, uncompromisingly good and like good for humanity and that relationship in your name ending. That's what he needed to do to make all the money. And once he figured that out, he like went and did something similar, but he like poops existential global warming crisis um, at the end of Weathering With You. And I've covered both movies in the podcast. You can go listen to them in the feed of whatever app you are using to listen to this podcast. And on that note, he's been con- he's A, been constantly in that like conversation of like, is he the next Miyazaki? To which he always answers like, please don't. <laughs> I don't just, like, stop making movies by myself in my basement with my wife. Please don't do this to me, and please don't do this to my studio. This sucks. Like, I, I just want to make what I want to make. And sometimes it'll be successful, sometimes it won't. But, like, don't do that. That sucks. I'm not that, I'm not the grumpiest man in anime. I can't, know. Um, and someone who... It's kind of in that same crowd of like almost Ghibli-esque and maybe even more so because Shinkai has like a hyper real anime thing going on with the kind of fidelity of his films. Whereas Hosoda is Hosoda's like a real movie. Hosoda's like a real weird director from like live action in many ways. He has this like almost Quentin Tarantino obsession with certain things that nobody quite got really. Like we should have picked up on it when he was like, yeah, Digimon is gonna be my first directorial debut. And we should have also picked up on it with like all the furriness that was happening in Summer Wars, but that wasn't overt enough. And also then he took a break. And he made freaking, I believe he made, um, Girl Who Left the Time. Actually, he might have made that before Summer Wars. I forget what the, um, what the thing is, what the, um, what the, uh, timeline is there. But he took a break with the Girl Who Left the Time for essentially, like, a really, like, heartwarming and interesting time travel story and then he made the boy and his beast and he made let me pull up his um because i have the info that i need here um then he made um the boy and his beast and then he made what's it called he made um wolf children and then he made mirai mirai was the one i was missing and mirai is the movie right before this. And Mirai has like the standard, what has become a standard thing in both hosts of the movies, which is like a furry character who is socially acceptable because Zootopia exists in the world and he can now, which I find hilarious. But if you look at Hosta's movies, he's always they're always about something he's interested in or something that's happened in his life to 
is happening in his life at that point. Maybe after that's not that that's probably still true um, with the girl of the time with Digimon. It his sins once you see Digimon and um, Summer Wars is very clearly like a other he wants to like propose the internet as like an alternate like existing world that exists alongside ours and has its all, all of its own things. That's also true of Summer Wars. And in Summer Wars it goes even further and he like it's kind of a commentary of what if Facebook was a megacorp and also a video game and like your your town's border was managed through the use of um uh the fictional game world in some wars and what would happen if a rogue ai virus attacked attacked like something that controls tons of different background things that you never even thought about that's really and like yeah it's a love story and all this other fun stuff but that's really one of the conceits of the plot of some wars and then he very clearly becomes a parent with things like even to a to an extent boy and the beast the boy and the beast is very much a conversation about adolescence and like growing up and all this other stuff and then wolf children is conversation about falling in love and changing from like what you perceive as a wild animal to somebody who is capable of being in love and then having children and what children kind of what children um experience when they're when one half of their parentage is so different than quote unquote societies which is not an uncommon thing for you know adults who are really creative people to feel like when they're like around normal people, like if you've ever seen Hideki Ano like encounter someone who is capable of like normal human anything, he's he's slightly uncomfortable for a for a ton of reasons, but he's slightly uncomfortable in general. His wife made a whole book about it called "I'll Do It Tomorrow," I think. I think. Um, but um, there's also I think I think there's an anime, like a short form anime that is literally just about. And it's based off of a comic about um, Anna's wife having to live with the nightmare that is Anna. Um, which, to his to his credit, like Kideki Anna seems like a very good sport about all of it, and he's not like he's not salty about it. He's like, no, I know I'm a piece of shit nightmare person. It's fine. It's fine. Um, but. So that's what Wolf Children ends up being about. And then Mirai is really where you get the most like, oh, this is about the birth of um his of his of his second child and how specific he feels about that and how he hopes his first child will relate to his second child kind kind of thing. It becomes once you know that it becomes autobiographical, oddly. And hilariously, um, in the same way that like knowing um, 
Hayao and Goro's like father son relationship that is very strained and very fucked is a <laughs> um key to why a movie like um what like the um World War Two plane development movie um Destiny made I forget the name of it but it's in that same vein oh the Wind Riders is it's like key to understanding the Wind Riders of like Hayao Miyazaki's relationship not only to his son but his whole like familial life and how he has a lot of regrets around that like he's spoken about that before like I wish I was nicer than my son when he made his first movie and it wasn't great <laughs> um but I couldn't do it um but the so he so what ends up happening with Momoro Hosa at least, and I'm talking about this this way for a specific reason, is that he tends to gravitate towards things he's interested in and things that he sees happening in his own world right now. And what I found most interesting is that he kind of circled back with Bell. And I want I want to be clear, I don't think Bell is his strongest movie. I don't think it's bad, it is visually a feat of modern art. It is incredible looking. But it's not like it It doesn't make a distinction that's really clear between the virtual world, which this involves this involves like a virtual world akin to something like Oz from Summer Wars, but it's a different thing. Um, it doesn't make a big enough distinction between the virtual world and the real world. Partially, I think, because it's trying to blend the... It's trying to blur the line between the two and create this idea that, like, both happen simultaneously and also both are, at this point, in their own ways as important as each other. And... I find this movie really interesting in the idea that, like, Oculus Christmas just happened, and if you don't know about Oculus Christmas, I've been obsessed with my Oculus Rift for, since I got it, but it's, like, a bunch of, tons and tons of people got, got like, the, 300, the new $300 Oculus Quest, which actually I haven't, I don't have a Rift, I'm not that lucky, I don't have that kind of computer. Um, tons of people, including me, got an Oculus Quest around the holidays because they had a they had an okay deal on it, and like it, it is a form of socialization that is acceptable in the time of our COVID. Um, and that's had a huge explosion. I mean, like it, it changed the trajectory for. VR in a way that's definite that was probably already true because of Facebook and whatnot, but it's now more true because there's a solid user base there for developers to make money off of, basically, including myself. I'm not going to include myself in that. But, like I said when I was talking about Summer Wars, Hosoda is very interested in the idea of the internet and the idea of the internet as like a parallel to reality 
in lots of ways. If you ever seen, by the way, spoilers for Summer Wars and spoilers for Battle. If you've ever seen Summer Wars, um, it it is this representation of the internet and kind of what I idealized it, and at first an idealized, perfected form that is then like almost immediately called into question once Love Machine, the like antagonist AI slash central conflict of the movie comes into play, because things like people's pacemakers. Things like traffic signals, things like, um, <laughs> things like emergency buttons for old, for senior citizens, like the falling out can't get up help me button, are all rooted through this like one company thing that is um basically guarded with an algorithmic security key that like the show is like hey there. Granted, very smart, but there are very smart teenagers who can solve this thing and just do some wild shit if they really want to. And the way that the algorithm in that movie gets around that is they bypass the security key by sending it out as a like as a, like a teaser question to a bunch of to a bunch of kids who to a bunch of people whose math ability is, you know, um, what's it called, is good enough to possibly solve the, to possibly solve the, um, the, the code. And what ends up happening is all this stuff goes down all at once. And so he's told that story before, and he's very clearly interested in the internet as a parallel to reality. And and the idea of like internet like things that people think have nothing to do with them having everything to do with them when everything on we'll say an internet server goes bad. And he has this understanding of that that I really appreciate. And then he brings it forward into Bell. And uh, like I said at the beginning of this little internet connectivity rant, he kind of comes full circle from um, Summer Wars all the way back to Bell. And he, even really from Digimon all the way back to Bell. Only because of the way that the internet has changed since the like mid to late 90s, and now his representation of the internet has changed. Hilariously, it still features the floating whales, which I find, like, just hilarious. Um, because, like, core, central core weird Japanese-esque thing that he keeps doing in internet world, and it makes a lot of sense, and I love it. But what he's done now is he's created this, like, Expanse of an endless city to the to be one of the film's two settings, and he does. And the one way that he does keep your brain focused on this is the this is the world of you, which is the like essentially social, like almost VR chat like app that 
he has that one of the two settings is Bell. And reality is reality is punctuated by these beautiful, almost scenic, not like not quite rural, but not quite like almost suburban in a way, but certainly not like super urban or hyper urban, say something like Tokyo or whatnot. Um, it almost mirrors kind of the setting of um, the girl who lets through time. If you've seen that, like it's it's a large town or maybe a small city, but it's not it's not crushing in its weight and like intensity. It is kind of quiet. It still has big open spaces that aren't like gated off from the rest of the universe, and the the dichotomy between that and what he sets up is this like not quite endless, but when you're in the middle of it, it feels like endless city that is like folded on top of itself, that is the world of you, that is filled with like garish cartoon character looking things, like garish cartoon looking avatars that all function quite like VR chat avatars actually. If you're not interested if you've never heard of VR chat, go look it up and you'll know immediately what I'm talking about. You're like, oh, okay. Um, but that keeps your brain, that keeps, that helps your brain separate the, like, virtual world from the real world. And then what he does is to blur the lines, it, A, all the characters that you meet in the, in the real world act exactly like the characters as you encounter them in the virtual world, with the exception of Suzu, who in the you is Belle. And Sudu as a character is really easy to appreciate and really easy to understand. She was a normal girl and her mother died saving another, saving somebody from a river. And she kind of shut down. And she has her one friend, Hiroka, who is like a total nerd. And Hiroka's like, hey, you have to check this out. And it is the world of you, which is explained to be a social media app where you can start over and you can be a totally different person. And at first at first attempt, she's like, oh, nothing really. I like sung a song and people watch, but nobody follows. And then she gets a little ping, a little like dopamine hit notification sound, which is very much what it is. And it one follower and then it's two followers and she's like oh that's nice she's supposed to sleep wakes up and she has like thousands of thousands of followers and the number keeps going up and she becomes this oh she comes like not only overnight but like over a period of time this total social media sensation essentially essentially she becomes a like then social media sensation VTuber. Think like keeping an eye on steroids. And from there for a little while it becomes this conversation about people who get internet fame and don't know what to do with it and the pressure of internet fame in general 
Um, it doesn't do as good a job as something like um, Tom Green's book. Um, Head of VidCon, uh, I forget what it's called, I forget what it's called. Um, but it was a New York Times bestseller. It doesn't do but as good a job as that does, but it gets in that same space, which is honestly impressive. Where this starts to break down, where this starts to, and the way she gets this is she sings, and in in you, her singing is like incredible, blah, blah, people, all these people. But where this movie starts to break down, where I really start to like, where I understand why Hoseon needed to do what he did to get to where he wanted to go, I also have this feeling of Beauty and the Beast maybe on and in his household, maybe 24-7. And he may just be watching the ballroom dance from Beauty and the Beast a lot, because he recreates in this movie, it's incredible. If you're introduced to this character, this is who they call the Beast. And, um, the Beast is being pursued by these characters who are essentially like super sentai, self-aggrandizing superheroes. Except with the, with the main hero character, the thing they do, the thing they do that's really impressive, who I want to actually find his name because Kind of important. The thing they do that's pretty impressive is, and this is where you could really tell that Hosea like took time and knew what he was talking about. Is the main, the main kind of antagonist, if there is one, is this character who's like the head of the like Super Sentai, like keep you safe and like happy for everybody, like group. Who, whenever you see him, whenever he gets like a frame-up shot, all of these different logos, like, bloom around him because they're his sponsors, they're the sponsors. And they ha make sure a character says like, wow, look how many sponsors he has, he must be an okay guy. And that's just, that's an incredible understanding um, for a movie like this, in a space like this is playing in, to have of not just the internet but like social media and the way social media works and sure enough once that character is like so clearly in the wrong you can't argue that he's right anymore you see the sponsors float away you see them leave him pretty grad pretty immediately and it's this I, I appreciate this because it's this understanding of how the internet works and how not only how the internet works, but this under it's this very simple understanding or demonstration of understanding of how corporations see internet personalities of we're with you all the way to the end unless you get cancelled or unless you start to like drift across the line to a place that the rest of the internet doesn't like. And it's, a, it's just a really, it's a clever little trick that shows you exactly who's doing this and that he understands, like, human-to-human -human interactions 
through the world of the internet in a way that is really valuable for this movie and kind of saves this movie in the, in the 11th act, I think. And so they introduce the Beast, and from there it's this like, a little drawn out, but still I appreciate it because Beauty and the Beast was literally the first movie I ever saw um, as a human. Um, but it's a, almost a recreation of Beauty and the Beast with, with some hosted uh, virtual world flourish for, you know, fun. Although I will say, he managed to recreate the, <laughs> seriously, the ballroom dance from Beauty and the Beast. If you know anything about animation, you probably know what I'm talking about. He managed to recreate that almost shot for shot, which is impressive and like, that was when I was like, oh, yeah, these kids might be the right age for that. They might just be watching that all the time. Cool, I guess. Good for you, Dad. Um, but you come to find out eventually that the um, character that um, it, that the person who's behind the beast, the like actual human, is a young kid who's younger than Sudo. And the beast is his personification and seems so damaged because he's being abused by his father. And like I said, spoilers for this movie. And the reason why I'm going so deep into this is because it's A, it's pretty impressive wide release, but B, it's necessary to like demonstrate the understanding of the internet. And the and the understanding of the director of the internet and real life can be equal, they are in no way the same. And the, and also the understanding of like saying you're say, and this is probably the real lesson of the movie that he's trying to that if I had to guess, he's trying to tell people. Saying you'll help, saying that you will help, is not the same as helping. And this movie straight up throws that in your face at, some, at one point and says, and says to, um, where Ryu, the main character, says to Suzu, like, everybody says they'll help us. Everybody says, I think I got through your father. Says, let me talk to your father. Says, I'll, I will help you. And we're still, and I'm still here getting the shit kicked out of my back all the time. And that eventually, that and the like kind of climax point of the movie, which is when you see a grown man on stream about to kick the shit out of his kid, like on YouTube, like on YouTube live stream about to kick the shit out of his kid prompts Suzu to make a really, ra A, rash decision for a uh, human being her age, but like, rash decision just in general, and she like, gets her ball on a train and goes finds these kids, and like, does help them, stops the father from kicking their ass in like, a rainy alley in the middle of Tokyo. And, what she does there is she closes the gap between 
knowing about something and seeing something on the internet and meaningfully helping that person. And one of the things that like lots of people forget because the internet is the dream and nightmare is the ultimate dream and nightmare most likely of humankind is that like and lots of it's because we are so overloaded with what's out there and what we see is that there are people behind probably 90% of the internet. There's like the 10% that's like just like a secondary thing that people put into motion but they don't, they aren't directly there. But 90% of the internet is, has people behind it at some point. And, like, it's so easy to interact with that stuff and not recognize the people, especially when those people need any help, that this, this movie's goal in everything that set up was to, to get, was, it felt like was to get to the point where two isolated people could get to each other through this big complicated nightmare of an internet. And they show you the steps the entire way through. And in a way, I don't think that many other directors, certainly not many other anime directors, could make a movie like this because you, like I keep saying, if you look at the first Digimon movie and Summer Wars, they are almost like dry runs for this movie. And it's really clear that he went, he went out of his way to, because it, he knew he wasn't making something that he hadn't made pieces of before. And that the 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 beast, just as like a character, just as like a character design, is supposed to be um reminiscent of Beast from Beauty of the Beast. Um, the character of Ryu feels like the kid from Beauty of the Beast. From um feels like the kid from Boy and the Beast. Suzu feels a little like the like um the main character from um Girl Who Left Two Time. They have other characters who feel like other character types he's used in his other movies. I'm I'm sure he will always make a, I'm sure that Hoso will make another movie. He made he made this one after Mirai, and Mirai feels pretty different than his other movies. Like, there's still clearly, like, his art, like, his attention to different archetypes of characters he uses in that movie, but it's not... It is very different than all the other hosts of the movies out there. Uh, its closest, like, companion is probably Wolf Children, but even then, Wolf Children, at a point, 
feel very much about the children, not about the feel very much about the parents rather, not as much about the children. And I think that I think that's what interest what interests me the most about Honka as like a filmmaker, not even an anime filmmaker, is he so clearly works up to each film through all the other films he's made. And I think that's one of the reasons why ultimately Bell got such a wide release, A, because Peter's needs stuff to show. Feels like a clear thing, actually. But B, he's made all these movies that have been really consistent and really good, like, family movies and Mirai hit in a way, and Mirai is currently on um, on Netflix, you can go watch it there, but Mirai, Mirai hit in a way that was pretty unique compared to movies before that. And now with G-Kids on his side, it, he can get, his movies can get a wider relief, which I think is really good, because I think, I think that this movie is worth going to see in the theaters because it is such a spectacle of a thing um even more so than something like summer wars which is a very much a spectacle of a movie this has elements of that but then it's like he turned the dial up to 11. um and on that note i think i'm going to be here but i my ultimate recommendation for this movie is go see it if you can go see it in theaters, it's playing, like, I was surprised it was playing by me. It's playing pretty wide, like, really pretty wide, not, like, kind of, like, an extra theater in New York City. Like, no, it's it's probably playing somewhat close to you than you expect. Um, definitely go see this, because it is, like, a theater experience of a movie. But, like I said, it's not his strongest movie. But I would be willing to bet it's probably his most visually arresting and interesting. Um, which last time that that worst surprising admission. Um, and on that note, I have been Alex. This has been Lunchbox Video. If you like this podcast, you can subscribe to it on whatever app you are hearing me on right now. And new episodes come out every Thursday and Sunday. Thursday is about a new movie like this is or show and Sunday is usually more metatextual and more um fandom and industry based or like ideas that came that came to me in dream no that come up in my like wandering across the universe and the internet and all that shit. So on that note, I will talk to you on Sunday.